If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me today to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. And we're in this series on, uh, the, in the valley. And I love this series. I'm not saying I'm the greatest preacher. I'm not saying I'm the best person to present. I just love the content of what we're doing. Because most of the preaching, I grew up in church my whole life. I'm 46. And uh, I always heard guys preach on the mountaintop experiences. Yeah, there's a little bit of a struggle, but it gets to the mountaintop. It's, it's the mountaintop. It's the mountaintop. But nobody really talks about the valley. And the reality is, is that we live life many times in the valley. We don't always live life on the mountaintop. It's in the valleys that God shows up. It's in the valleys that character is developed. It's, it's in those valleys that, that really some major decisions are make, made in our lives that actually determine if we're going to hit another mountaintop or if we're going to come to the end of it in the valley. And so today, I, I want to talk to you about the valley of distraction. The valley of distraction. I talked about depression last week, and if, if you weren't here, you can go to lifechurchwi.com, and you can, you can, you can um, pick that message up, that sermon up, and, and listen to it, watch it, whatever you'd like to do. But today, I want to talk about distraction. I think today's message is probably one of the most pivotal and prominent messages for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not, it's still going to have a lot of application. But if you consider yourself, man, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. I'm living this life. I'm telling you what I'm going to unpack in the next few minutes, I've never preached on, but I think it's powerful because I think it has more to do about how you survive the valleys, how you get to the next mountaintop than anything else, because this is kind of crash and burn territory. This, what I'm talking about today, becomes paramount in your life if you're going to navigate the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. Uh, and so Genesis chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. I'm going to read verse 5 through verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. If you do, you can pull it up uh, or, or open it up. And, um, and we're, we're going to walk to it. Then I'm going to come back and unpack this. But I want to read this narrative first, and I want to unpack it. Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 5. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose among Abram's herders and Lot's. And so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is it not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. And now the people of Sodom were wicked 
and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So we see here we've got Lot and Abram, Abraham. And so the reality is, is that Abraham is the uncle, Lot is the nephew. And so Lot is, is being blessed, and so is Abraham being blessed. And the blessing is happening because God speaks to Abraham way before this and tells him if he will leave his hometown, if he'll leave his, his home region, the Ur of the Chaldees, and if he'll follow him, if he'll follow God, that, that God will bless him in such a way that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. And, and that God will make him the father of a great nation. And we know that Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel through Isaac. And so Lot is related to, he's a nephew of Abraham. And so Lot is with Abraham. And so Abraham's being blessed and prospering. And, and so, is, so is Lot. And, and what happens is, is they're, they're farming, excuse me, they're, they're somewhat nomadic at this point in time. Because again, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that Abraham was on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And so uh, they're, they're very nomadic at this point in time. They've got these herds, they've got this land, they've got all this, and they're grazing. And if you know anything about cattle or agriculture, well, I don't care if it's sheep or goats or, 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 or cows, it doesn't matter. It, they, they have to have a, so much space in order to graze, and, and the vegetation has to be flush and, and lush enough to be able to handle. And, and there's just certain things that have to be there. And so if, if it overpopulates, then there becomes these, these, uh, this deal where some eat and some don't, and, and it just becomes, it's just too crowded. And so what's happening is, is God is blessing both Abraham and Lot's life at such a level that the ground, the land, the, the place can't sustain both of them. And so there's fighting that's happening on a low level, but it's going to begin to rise up. Abraham knows it's going to come up to the family level. Right now it's between the herders but it's going to eventually make its way up between both of them. So Abraham, being a man of wisdom, says, look, Lot, this, there's not enough here. So here's what we're going to do. We, we, need to, we need to split ways. I'll let everything still okay with our families. And I'll let you pick. I'll defer to you. I'll let you do what you want to do. And so you get to choose. And if you choose you want to go left, then I'll go right. And if you want to go right, then I'll go left. But you choose, which is pretty nice for Abraham. Because, again, in that culture... Age and seniority uh, meant something, and uh, and so Lot then chooses uh, basically to to go to this well-watered plain of of this Jordan Valley uh, towards Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's in the valley. It's this lush place, which makes Abram. Abraham go towards Canaan, which basically was less vegetation, less appealing to the eye. It, it, it was a second choice, if you would. It wasn't as good as Lot, Lot basically picked the choice land as far as what the physical appearance of it. And Abram was left with the leftovers. And they, they have this, 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 this party of the wage. Now, I want to make a statement here. It's not in your notes. It's not going to be on the screen. But if you're taking notes, it's important to write this down. That your decisions will open the door for distraction in your life. The decisions that you make, and we all make decisions. We make hundreds of decisions a day, even involuntarily. Our body, our, our, just the way that we live and the way we move and what we do, just we have actions, we, we blink, we, we think, we wake up, we go, I mean, all this we breathe. Our, our body, our brain is sending constant messages all the time to our physical body. We're making decisions all through. But then we're also making very cognizant of uh, uh, what I would call uh, involuntary voluntary decisions where we are choosing, we have to think, we have to process. Do I want to go left? Do I want to go right? Do I want to go 
here? Do I want to go there? What do I want to do? And when you are in a position of making a decision, it opens a door for distraction. It's not that it's wrong. It just means that all the choices are not the same. If you choose to go towards the Jordan Valley instead of going towards the hills of Canaan, life's going to be different. If you choose to go towards Canaan and you don't go to the, to the river valley, to the Jordan Valley there in the land of Zor, if you choose that, life's going to be different. Your decisions open the door for distractions. What's a distraction? A distraction, a synonym for distraction is diversion, interruption, disturbance, intrusion, interference, obstruction. It's a hindrance. And you can make a decision that's distracted. You get your eye off the ball. You, you, you get your eye off the mark. You're, you're no longer running towards the same goal that you started. Your, your company's not moving in the same direction. Your, your marriage is not moving in the same direction. Your life is not moving in the same direction. Your desires and your goals are not moving in the same directions. What you say you want and how your life is lived are two different things. Because direction, not intention, equals destination every day of the week. I can intend to go to Florida from Milwaukee, but if I get on I-43 and head north, I'm going to wind up in Escanaba, not in Daytona Beach. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can intend to go to Florida, but if the direction of my minivan is going towards, is going north on I-43, I am not going to wind up on the sandy beach shoreline of, of coastal Florida. I'm going to wind up in the upper peninsula. I'm going to find a beach there, but it's not going to be the same beach that I was looking for. Do you understand what I'm saying? And all the time people go, well, I'm wanting this, and I'm wanting this, and I'm wanting this. And they're verbally saying something, but the trajectory and the, and the direction of their life is completely different. And so decisions open the door for distraction. And distraction, if we're not careful, it can divert us. It can interrupt us. It can get our eyes off the ball. And so I want to talk about some of the distractions that, that Lot deals with. First of all, he has the, he's distracted by possessions. He's distracted by possessions. Look at verse 5 and 6. Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great. So Abraham was the first one that God blessed. We understand this. But Lot was blessed because of Abraham. Lot doesn't get it. See, sometimes what happens in life is that all of a sudden in your life, you become blessed in your life. And if you don't know why you're being blessed, you, you better check that out. See, it's not bad that Lot was being blessed, but he didn't understand why he was being blessed. And, and all of a sudden he thinks, well, man, I, I, I've got so many possessions and I'm so great. And I, I'm, I'm the junior to, to Abraham senior. And so I'm younger than Abraham, but I'm kind of tracking along even farther and faster than he did at my age. I must be better. I must be smarter. I must have it more to get better uh, together. I must be better looking. I, I, I must have my stuff together more than he did. And all of a sudden you begin to believe your own press when he doesn't realize it's not him, it's his proximity to greatness is making him better than what he really is. This happens. I see this happen all the time where uh, we're, we're doing something as a church and we bring on a new staff member and it's the momentum of the whole team, the momentum of the whole church. It, it takes you 20 years to become an overnight success in Milwaukee. And so the reality is, is, is we're, we're working through all this and all of a sudden a new team member comes on and they get to take the, the ride. Well, they didn't know what it was like going from 100 to 200 or 200 to 500 or 500 to 800 or 800 to 1,000 or 1,000 to 2,000 or 2,000 to 3,000. They don't understand that ride. They're just all of a sudden, wow, this is awesome. See, it's easy to look at my life now and go, wow, I want that. No, but nobody wanted it 16 years ago. 
when there was a storefront and 100 people with it, and we couldn't get a cell phone name to the church because the credit was shot before I arrived. What, 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 what happens? What happens is, is all of a sudden God puts his hand and his blessing on a person. This is how this works. It's, it's true in scripture. And he blesses that person because that person is willing and they're faithful. That's what Abraham did. And all of a sudden what happens is, is through time, God begins to bless and the people that are around them begin to become blessed. And it's the proximity to the blessing that actually produces the possessions in their life. But they don't realize this. So if you're working in management, you own a company, you know, you've paid a price, you've lived it, you know what it takes to get the microphone on the stand, on the stage, so to speak. And all of a sudden, new people come in and young people come in to your organization and they don't know of the struggle. They don't know of, of, of what was required. They, they, they've never had to go through, but they're getting the uptick on what's going on. And they think, well, man, I'm the best salesman in the company or I'm the best gifted person in the company or holla, I'm all that. And the reality is, is no, they're just around you. They just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And the blessing is happening because of proximity. You better know why you're being blessed. Lot doesn't get it. Lot thinks his possessions and his blessings are just happening just, just because of him. Why, why do you think this? Because according to the custom in that day and age, he should have deferred to his elder. He doesn't defer to Abraham. Abraham actually defers to him. Why? Because Abraham knew something that Lot didn't know. Abraham knew that the blessing came from the Lord. It didn't come from the land. See, some of you think your blessing comes from your job or from your skill or from the land that you work. It doesn't. It comes from heaven above unless you don't believe the Bible. The Bible says, I'm just get a little, let's, just, let's just say for a moment, since we're in church, whether we're online, yeah, you need to get your hair parted a little bit better. You still see you. Yeah, wish I had some of that coffee you were drinking. But anyhow, the Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but from heaven above. That God's the one that gets the increase. Unless God builds a house, he who labors, labors in vain. So your business, your company, the church or the ministry that you lead, it's not because you're so awesome. It's because God's chosen his infinite wisdom to bless your life. Which means the blessing comes, the prosperity comes, the increase comes from the Lord, not from the land. Therefore, you can put you being in the will of God, anywhere, at any place, at any time, and it's going to flourish and bless. Why? Because the favor of God is upon you. Not because you're all that, but because he's chosen in his infinite wisdom that he wants to use you. Abram knows, man, if I go to the well-watered plains, I'm going to be blessed. If I go to the less vegetated state of Canaan, I'm going to be blessed. Why? Because my blessing isn't contingent upon my place or upon my possession or upon my person. It's from the Lord. And some of us, we hold on to stuff. Oh, it's so good. And oh, I never thought it'd be this good. No, oh, oh. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Job. God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You want to be blessed? Be willing to open your hand when God asks. Palms up, God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. How, how do I know that the blessing was with Abraham and not with Lot? That Lot was there because of proximity and not because of, of all of that? It's because of the fact that Abram's the one that defers to the younger. Abram's the one that gets it. Lot doesn't. And Lot is completely distracted by his, possess by his possessions. He's got more money, 
more net worth, more everything than he's ever had in his whole life, and he's completely encapsulated by it. It's okay to have things, it's just not okay for things to have you. Abraham has things, but things don't have him. Again, I go back to what we don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. He doesn't indicate that. He doesn't give that. There's much conjecture, but we don't know. But whoever the author of the book of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 11, again, that Abraham was on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. That was his focus. He didn't get distracted by the possessions. He kept his eyes on the Lord, the author and the finisher of his faith, the Bible says. Secondly, we see that Lot's distracted by comfort. He's distracted by comfort. Verse 10 of chapter 13 says, Lot looked around and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor that was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. And I love the parenthetical thought here. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, this was this fertile valley where Sodom and Gomorrah rested in. Sodom and Gomorrah is, is, the, is the town that God will actually destroy by fire from heaven and completely consume it because of its sin and its iniquity. He's distracted. He sees. He doesn't, he doesn't see the, the sin. He doesn't see the degradation. He doesn't, he doesn't, his spiritual antenna is not up at all. He, he's distracted by his own comfort. If I go here, man, it's well watered. If I go here, it's going to be great. If I go here, and he's not just looking at part of the plane. He's not saying, hey, Abram, how about we divide this up and you take this part and I take that part. He's looking, the Bible says, at the whole plane. And it looks so great. It looks like the garden of the Lord. Just remember, all that glitters isn't gold. And if you're at one place and you look, at, look across the fence and you go, man, that's some really green grass, you want to make sure there's not a septic system below it. Do you understand what I'm saying? No? Yeah. There, there, there's a reason why that, why that grass is so green. There's a reason why it's so well fertilized and well watered. There's a reason why it's there. Because the reality is, is that sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our place, we can look at where we are and we go, man, that's so great. And that's so, because there's, there's a comfort. I'm drawn to the comfort. I'm drawn to, 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 to what I want, what, what's comfortable. And we follow, when, when we follow comfort, comfort, when we let comfort kind of be our king, we, we, we refuse to do the uncomfortable things. There was a day in our lives where we would be willing to go. There was a day in our lives where we'd be willing to do the uncomfortable. There was a day in our lives where we'd be willing. But now we're too old. We're too set in our ways. We've got too many possessions. Are you distracted by comfort? Questions to ask yourself. You used to be willing to, you fill in the blank. You used to do X, Y, Z. You were willing to do, but you're no longer willing to do whatever that may be. There was a day when you would show up early. There was a day when you would work on Saturday if you had to. There was a day when you would, you would sacrifice this. There was a day that you would do this, but, but not now because comfort has become king because you've gotten to a certain level and you didn't really get as far as you thought, but you've gotten to this comfortable place. You have to make sure that you're not distracted by comfort. So talk about this. I, I think of, 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 of some, some, some illustrations in this. Because I think sometimes what happens is, is that, you know, you in church, we in church, we kind of have an idea that, well, you know, this works for ministry and works for pastors, but it doesn't really work for me. And, and I think this is, this, let me make it real for you, that it works for all of us. The Bible only works for ministers and missionaries and on Sundays. Then what are we doing here? No, it works. Monday through Friday. We were, it was uh, the summer of 08. Tammy and I had been here for 
about five years at this point in time. Church, we had purchased the shopping center uh, in Germantown, but had not built the building that would be five years away. We were trying to pay off the shopping center, but we're in the middle of doing all of that. Church was growing. We were around seven, 800 people at that point in time. Uh, and um, I had just completed five years. I was going to take a, a month, kind of a break, a sabbatical in the, in the summer just to kind of go. We were going to go home, uh, back towards, uh, 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 I grew up in northwest Arkansas. Tammy grew up in, in southwest Missouri. So right there, uh, Bentonville, where Walmart is, Tulsa, that, Springfield, Missouri, that whole little area, the Ozarks, Branson, that whole thing, that's kind of home for us. And so we were going to go back there and, and uh, had made arrangements to do all that. And prior to doing that, I get a phone call. Uh, that the pastor that I had worked for in Tulsa that we had worked on staff for for many years before coming to here that uh, uh, had, had resigned under some pretty bad circumstances and he resigned and so uh, that uh, that was happening and transitioning. And at the same time, uh, we had made a decision that we were going to move from West Bend, where we'd been living for, for five years. We were going to be, we were going to move from there. We were going to move to, to Germantown uh, and uh, change the girls' school and that kind of a deal. And so we had put our house on the market, uh, Kevin Nash, and uh, 13 days it sold. And, uh, and so we, were, we had everything boxed up. We had had, uh, had an offer on a house in Germantown. It was completely, that thing went, was all good. Everything was great. We had some earnest money down, no big deal. But everything, basically, I'm trying to set this up for you, is all of this stuff is beginning to happen. We have no, our house is completely sold. We have, we have earnest money and a contract, but have not moved into a new house. We basically have everything in our home boxed up. We knew this was the right time. We were going to move the girls' school. Now was the time to move from one school district to another school district. We had been here for five years. The church had gone from about 100 people to, to about seven, 800 people at that point in time. We bought the shopping center, but we were five years away from being able to build the building that we have at Germantown. And it was just, it was just a prime prime season, and then the church that we came from, that we kind of consider our home church, opened up. I get a phone call then right now, very, the next week before we were leaving, and said, hey, uh, pastor, we're supposed to do our, our, the wedding for my daughter. Uh, could you do the wedding? She was in our youth group. We said, sure, no problem. We'll be happy to do the wedding. So we're going to be there. To, we're going to be in town anyhow. We'll be happy to do the wedding and just try to help. We get there. When we get there, uh, we, long story short, uh, as things began to unfold, we were asked, hey, would you consider if you would come here and pastor? We'd like for you and Tammy to come back and pastor. And at this point in time, the church there had several hundred, a couple hundred employees because there was a full school, full daycare, full staff, two locations. Uh, they had just bought a piece of property, uh, uh, 40 acres, and just built a brand new 1,400-seat auditorium. It was a part of a multi-phase uh, deal. Everything was completely there and done. Uh, it, was, it was a church that was close to about 2,000 people at that point in time. And, and all of this was happening. And it was like, this is and then the district superintendent in Oklahoma with the Assemblies of God contacts us and, and another person contacts us and, and the former district superintendent, boy, it sure would be good to have you back and love you have come back home. And all this stuff about home, 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 home. My mother-in-law finds out about it. It's time to come home. My mother finds out about it. It's time to come home. It's all about home. I mean, you can come back home and then you can go the, go, I'm a big Razorback fan. You can go to the University of Arkansas games on Saturday and come back home. And then you can have this church on Sunday and come home. And we, we want you to come home home, and it was all about home, and my home here was sold. I didn't have a house. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this was like prime time, and I was like, Lord, is this you? Is this you telling me 
Today, I probably should have taken the deal because it's 70 degrees there today. I'm just teasing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, is this... And Tammy and I both felt like, no, that would be a decision for comfort. That would be a very comfortable decision. It would have been an, an incredibly big pay raise. It would have been, it would have put us on a completely different trajectory as far as at that point in time. I mean, the size of the church, the scope of the church, all that kind of deal, it would have opened up a ton of different doors and opportunities. There was a lot of things that were happening, but both of us felt like, no, we're supposed to stay here. But here, we had just bought the property. Here, we were, wait, we we're like a third of the size. Here, on all the externals, all the dashboards, as far as the externals, were like, this is, like, this is where you should go. And, and you've done a good job here. Let somebody else take on the job here and the work at Germantown and blah, 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 blah. And, but it was like, no. There's more to do here. God didn't just call us here for this. And there's a part of, of me that really wanted to go home and wanted to be home and because it was comfortable. It's what I knew. I knew the neighborhoods. I, I knew the people. I, I'd been away long enough that, that I could come back in. I knew what needed to happen and the church was hurting and there were some things that were happening. I thought, man, I could really help here. And I knew the staff and I knew the people and I knew all of this. And I remember, I can take you to where I was in this town when I said, Lord, I do not feel that you have released us from here. And I will not leave here unless you tell me to go. I will die here and they'll bury me in Resurrection Cemetery over in Mequon. That's if I die here, that's where I want to be buried because that's, that's going to be the first place to go. I'm just telling y'all right there. So anyhow, I said, I'll do that. But I'll only do it, Lord, if this is what you want me to do. If you want us to go, we'll go. Tammy looked at me. She said, if you tell me it's God, uh, we'll go. I said, do you think it's God? She said, I'm not the leader of the household. That's up to you. Thank you. No pressure there. Boom. <laughs> and I remember saying, God, I don't feel like this is it. But here's what I ask. I ask that you'd bless this church, Life Church, that we'd be able to build and do and see. And it would expand to the same level, if not larger than there. That all the desires of my heart would be met here. Very comfortable opportunity but I'd have got my eye off the ball. I'd have been distracted. I'd have been led away by all the wrong things, all the creature comforts, all the things that, that I knew and that the people that I knew and things that I knew. And I cannot imagine my life had I gone down that path. And I sit back and go, look at all the things that God has done. Look at all the things that have happened. Look at all the relationships. Look how much fuller and greater and more robust my life is. Look at how blessed my life is. God began to just, just mushroom it out. But he wanted to know if I'd keep my eye on the ball. Because I realized the blessing of God isn't about my location, it's about the person. But Lot didn't understand this. He got distracted by comfort. Last thing that Lot gets distracted by is by his ambition. He gets distracted by ambition. Look at verse 11. Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. Lot made a choice based purely on what he could see with his eyes. He didn't think about the spiritual aspects of it. He didn't think about the, 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 the effect on his family because of Sodom and Gomorrah that was right there that was notorious for being a city of debauchery and be a city of sin. and be, he, 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 did, he didn't think of any of that. He, he didn't care for any of that. He just kept looking at how green the grass was and how, how expansive it was and how great it was and all that he had and how comfortable it would be and his ambition. He never stopped to think why he was being blessed was because of his proximity with Abraham. He never stopped to think maybe I could 
lose it all. Because if you read the rest of the story, we don't have time today, he loses it all. He, he has to run out of the city for his life. He loses everything because he chose a decision based on ambition, based on pride, based on he believed his own press. He thought he was really as good as they said he was. And you're never as bad as people say you are, and you're never as good as people say you are. Abraham chose to walk by faith and to trust God, knowing that the hand of God was on his life. But, Abra- but, but excuse me, Lot chose to, what he had in his hand. Be careful of ambition. How do you know? It's your heart. Nobody knows it but you. Or it'll come out. Nobody knows it but you. You can spin your wheels and make your deals, but you know in your heart, I'm doing this out of greed. I'm doing this out of the monster of more. I'm feeding this because of this. I'm feeding this because of my own insecurity. I refuse to deal with my own junk, and I mask it and cover it over here. Instead of just trusting God, saying, God, what do you want? How do you want? So he got distracted. He got distracted. He rationalized it. Man, this will be like the garden of the Lord. You remember that phrase, the garden of the Lord? This is good, man. This is good. This is like the garden of the Lord. Except it's not the garden of the Lord. And he's distracted ultimately to destruction. He's distracted ultimately to his own destruction. Look at verse 13. And the people of Sodom, which is where he went, were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. He knew this. Yet he goes. The wrong decision at the right time will kill you. The wrong decision at the right time will destroy your life. The wrong decision at the right time will take it all. That's what happened. Lot got distracted, and he made the wrong decision at the right time, and it cost him everything. What do you mean? How does that apply to me? You've worked hard and you've built your company and you've built your your reputation and you've built your name. But all of a sudden in the middle of all that, you're bored. You're bored. You're bored. You're bored. So little Miss Thing or Mr. Handsome walks through the office and there's this emotional connect. And all of a sudden you just start thinking, I'm just going to have a conversation. I'm just going to talk. Just, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's a distraction. And a, co- co- a conversation leads to let's meet for coffee and then let's meet over here. And then it turns into a full-blown affair. The wrong decision at the right time will take you down. You worked really hard to, to build the business and to do this. And, and all of a sudden, you, you've got this deal. It's the biggest deal. It's the best deal. And you cut some corners and you sell your integrity out and you, you do some things that completely fraudulently turns this thing. But if nobody finds out you're okay, how did you get down that? Because you began to believe that you were really that good, that you were really untouchable, that you were really unscathable. Unsca- I mean, it just wasn't going to stick to you. 
in order to close the deal, the biggest deal of your life, the biggest whatever, all of a sudden, in order for the sake of money, for the sake of the fame and the prestige and all that goes with that, you begin to make the wrong decision at the right time, and it destroys you. I know a business guy today that's my age that I used to golf with, hang out with, huge bandwidth, could sell ice to an Eskimo. He's in prison today because of the very thing I'm talking about. He got going down a path. He got going down a place. Raised in church, went to Evangel University. Got going down and was, was funny and the life and the center of the party and the whole deal. And he got himself into some situations where it was a little questionable, but it got from little questionable, little questionable, and he got his eye off the ball of why God had blessed him and why God had placed him where he was. And he got his eye off the ball, and he thought, if I just write a big enough check to the church, if I just keep giving to the church, it's going to be okay. Like, this over here is going to offset this over here, and it doesn't. And he gave a lot of money to the church, but it doesn't over, overset. And so when, when they showed up at his office, and, and the Fed showed up and secured everything and shut everything down, and he hit the front page of the paper with three kids at home and a wife who's evicted from the big, beautiful home and has to go to work. The wrong decision at the right time will destroy you. Taking the job, moving for all the wrong reasons and all the wrong motives, trying to sell your spouse on, but if we go here, we're going to have more and this and this and this and this and this and all of these things, ambition and creature comforts and all this. And I'm not saying taking the job or making the move is wrong. I'm saying you better know what you're doing because the wrong decision at the right time will destroy your future. This is what happens with Lot. He's with Abram, and he's blessed, and God's hand's up on him, but he doesn't see it, and he gets distracted from what's going on. And instead of submitting himself and walking with humility and kind of deferring to Abraham, he thinks he's that good. He thinks he's that powerful, and pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction, and he moves to that valley, and it takes everything from him. His family, his possessions, his reputation, his name, everything. He barely escapes the city. And for the rest of his life, he is known for that decision of failure. Why? Because he got distracted. We walk through valleys, and if we're not careful, we'll get distracted. We'll get bored. We'll, we'll, we'll get ambitious. We'll get greedy. We'll get our eyes off of really who's in control. We'll begin to think it's us that's pulling the levers and pulling and spinning the wheels and making the deals. And we'll, we'll begin to grow in pride, and, and it'll begin to, that ride of pride will blind us, and we will get distracted. And we'll make the wrong decision at the right time, and it will take us down. And my prayer today is, is that you may be doing really great, but beware. Take heed, lest you fall. I'm not trying to be, wig you out. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm not trying to get you to drop your coffee at home. I'm just trying to get you to understand that we have to be on guard. We've got to keep our eye on the ball. We've got to keep our eye on the target. We've got to know why we're doing this thing. See, I didn't get into ministry because of comfort. I got into ministry because God called me. This wasn't my idea, it was his. And I remind him all the time of that. And, 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 I, and I'm doing this not because I think, hey, I think this is a great place. I'm doing this because it's where God called me. And, and here's, my, here's, here's my, if I can just go out on a limb for a minute. 
Here's my beef is that sometimes those of you that are mature Christ followers never consult God on your business dealings or your professional uh, 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 future or career path. And you don't teach your kids to do that either because that where they're going to go to college is about prestige or is about legacy or is about scholarships instead of saying, hey, hey, let's pray about this. Hey, what do you think? What's God speaking to you? Where is God leading you? Amen. I've got kids right now and, 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 and we're having these conversations about what is God? Well, what do you think? Dad? Well, I have an opinion. And you're going to hear it, but I want to know what God's saying to you. How are they going to learn the voice of the Lord? By hearing it, by hearing it, by hearing it, by hearing it, by hearing it. And I'm just here as guidelines and guardrails as a parent, but I want them to understand that, that whether they become an attorney or whether they become a pastor or whether they become a business person or whether they go into communications, it doesn't matter what's God saying to you. Where's God leading you? See, because we can look and go, but this is great. It looks like the valley of the Lord and the, the garden of God, but it can destroy your life. Instead of saying, no, God, what do you want me to do? These men, Abraham, he's a business guy. Lot, he's a business guy. They're not pastors. Most of the people in scripture were never preachers. And we read them like they are. David was never a priest. He was a king. He was a mogul, man. He, he, was, he was a bazillionaire of his time. And yet his, his relationship with the Lord was so tenement and paramount to his success in the kingdom. Do you live life that way? Do you raise your kids that way? Do you think that way? That's what's so important. That's why what I'm saying to you is, is, is so powerful in the world in which you live because distraction, which is all around us, will take your eye off the ball and ultimately destroy and eat your lunch because we have an adversary who goes about like the roaring lion, Jesus said, seeking whom he may devour. So be on guard. David says in the book of Psalms, above all else, guard your heart because out of it comes the issues of life. My prayer is that we don't become distracted, but rather we stay focused on what God has called us to do and where he's assigned us.